about me, it's not about other people. I mean, none of you came in to worship the, the person next to you, did you? No. No. So to this morning, we're going to talk a bit about the gifts that Jesus gave. The just gifts that Jesus gave. And he did not give these gifts to everyone. Now, to everyone who surrendered their life to Jesus Christ and allowed Jesus Christ to be his Lord and Savior. Are you all believers? Right, so you received from Jesus a grace. You received from Jesus the Holy Spirit. You became a believer and a follower in Christ. But that's not the gifts we're talking about today. That's not the gifts we're going to talk about today. We're going to read from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 through 16. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when I ascended on high and gave gifts to man, Verse 9, now, this he ascended, does not it mean that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. Think about that in verse 10. He ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. He gave himself to some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body. Till we, it says, till we all come to unity of faith and of knowledge of the Son of God, to be the perfect man, to measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, and that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with the wind of every doctrine, but by trickery of man in cunning craftsness and deceitful plotting. You understand what he's saying there? You've got to grow up. Quit believing everything you're hearing. Get rid of those doctrines. But speaking in truth and love may grow up in all things to him who is the head, Christ, for whom the whole body joined and knit together by every joint supplies according to the effect of works by which every part does its share. It causes the body for the edifying of itself. In the church, not all do get alike. Grace is not given in equal measures like manna through the wilderness. Christ is the bestower, measures our gifts, and he receives accordingly to our, me to our measure. Now again, I'm not re talking about the grace and the Holy Spirit, all those things that you have as a believer. Because you truly have all those gifts. You have all of those that were poured out upon you for believing. 
But grace does not really, really just pertain to supernatural gifts. It also pertains to spiritual gifts of man. These are varied because what each gets, he gets for the good of the rest. The church is a fellowship. It's a brotherhood where each of us has an interest in all and all have an interest in each. Do you understand what he's saying? We have an interest in everyone as the body of Christ in this church, but each individual also has an interest in the other person. This morning when you worship God, when you stood up there and sang and lifted your holy hands to the Lord, were you mad at anyone in this place? No. Were you upset with anyone in this no. place? It was just the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. Yes. That has to be all the time. Amen. Amen. There can be no spitefulness. If I say something that makes one of you mad, offends you, whatever, my office is right there. And I know the door. Come knock on the door and say so. That's right. Amen. Be a man. Put on your big boy pants. All right. Don't go running around behind closed doors. Oh, so-and-so said this. And so-and-so got that. And so-and-so was able to do this. And I couldn't do that. No. Remember, remember what that worship was like this morning. Yes. Remember yes. what your heart felt like this morning. Yes. Yes, Jesus. I mean, there was no animosity. Speak to us. There was no anything. That's how you edify the body. That's how the body works in unity. Because we're not going to go anywhere as a church if we're not in unity. Nowhere at all. We have to rely on Jesus because it's all about him. It's not about me one bit. So then it says, therefore, when he was ascended on high and gave gifts to men, if you remember in Acts chapter 1, this is where we learn that Jesus ascended. Remember the scripture says, men of Galilee, why do you look standing gazing into the heavens? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into the heaven will also come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So the men of Galilee were all standing around looking up. Where did he go? Where is he? And these angels just tell him, hey, you saw him go up. He's coming back down. I'm, I'm sure they just, you know, that's what they said. He went up, but he's coming back. It says it also means that he reached the lowest parts of the earth. This was the climax of all humiliation to Christ. I mean, how humiliating to be the son of God, to sit up with his feet on the footstool of the earth, to be able to change somebody's life like that and have to go down 
into the deepest, darkest pits of the world. He was hidden from everything. He was in the grave. I mean, this was extremely humbling. It was humbling. You've had those humbling experiences. Let me ask you a question. How many of you can laugh at yourself? I mean, really laugh. Oh, that was the stupidest thing I've ever done. You know, I mean, really get down and say, you know, it, it, I'm just a fool. I'm, I'm an idiot. I laugh, laugh, laugh. And, and just take it. Because if you can't laugh at yourself, you've got an issue of pride. And if you've got an issue with pride, pride is a sin. Let's take it further. If pride is a sin and you are sinning because you're prideful, what does God do? God does not see sin. So God does not see you. So does that mean that if you died this instant while you're living in pride, you would not go to heaven? That's for you all to figure out. Some of you may kid yourself. Some of you may not. But this kind of stuff, Jesus did to get away with it. He, he wanted to show everyone that if I can do this, if I can humble myself, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, one who took away the sins of the world, he took away all your sin, what you committed yesterday, what you're going to commit 10 years from now. He took away all the sin of all men. And if he can do that, why do you? Why are you so hung up on yourself? Now it says Jesus ascended. And Paul tries to unveil and reveal to us the reason for Christ's ascension. And it says, He tells one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Everything that's coming down, Jesus wants to fill. Jesus wants to fill your life. Jesus wants to fill your job. Jesus wants to fill this. He wants to fill what he's called you to do. I mean, in a church, you have different people doing different things. Some are administrators. Some are singers. Some are teachers, some are preachers. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about filling so that you are so full of Jesus that the only thing that matters to you is Jesus. Amen. It's all about Jesus, and that's all it needs to be. There should be nothing else. There should be no one else. We're not walking around with T-shirts that say, Worship me. Verse 11, he says, he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. These are the gifts that he wants to pour out to people in a congregation according to the amount of grace that they've been given. Some people are going to be that. Some people are evangelists, some are prophets. Some are apostles. Some are teachers. 
He does this for the equipping of the saints so they may work this ministry and put it together for the edifying of the body. Because if you have these people working all the time, you have these gifts going on all the time in the church, the body will stay edified. The body will work together as one, and that's what these are for, to have the body work together, to help the believers stay on track, stay on target. He says, we all come to the unity of faith and knowledge in the person of the Son of God. We all come to faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man, to a measure of stature in the fullness of Christ. See, these gifts that he gives, they reveal different parts of who Jesus is. You need, you need to put them all together to reveal who Christ is. You pull up one, he's this, you pull up another, he's that. But you need them all. We have an opportunity to show Jesus Christ who died for our sins. The glory of Jesus. The manifestation of his presence all around us. And his presence was all around us this morning. He had his arms wrapped around this whole congregation. Amen. You were all hugging each other. Amen. You didn't even know it. Amen. So why did Jesus give the gifts to the church? Not so man could be worshipped, but the revelation of who Jesus Christ could really be revealed in the church. You know, pastors today in, in America's churches they're too busy building their own kingdoms. Uh-huh. I mean, I know a pastor of one church. Another church that was probably three times the size of the church he had opened up. And that church was trying to get him to come there. So his congregation went out and bought him a Harley Davidson uh-huh. to get him to stay. Who do they worship? There was another pastor in the church in Orlando that in his in his payroll, in his contract with the church, he was to get a brand new Corvette every two years. Leased for him. This was part of his payroll package. Wow. Who do we worship? You know, some people get stuck on TV and they say, Oh, I only listen to this one. Well, that's the only thing you listen to. You're only listening to one part of Jesus. You're not seeing the other four. Only one part of Jesus is being revealed to you. You have inside the church, you have all these ministries. And they're all competing for time and space. We need this in the budget. Oh, the budget can't handle that. Oh, bah, 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 bah. Get rid of them and we'll do that. You know, it, it all goes on in church. The model that Jesus is laying down today 
is the model of the church they had in Acts chapter 2. It's the model of the church in the beginning. Now, the church got away from it because, like I said, America kind of got away from it. It kind of got into commercialized. There's a lot of churches where the pastor is worshiped. Oh, someone's, I, I remember at Cooper City, if Dwight Allen was going out of town, only half the church showed up. It's just the way it was. Oh, pastor's on vacation, boom, so are we. Some of you need to break the chains of religion. You've come out of different backgrounds. You need to break those chains. There is no such thing as religion. It's relationship. It's how Jesus Christ handles you. That's right. It's got to be all about Jesus. Get rid of the old man. Gotta be Jesus. Gotta be Jesus. So Jesus brought this fivefold ministry to the church so he can equip the saints to do what he requires. Jesus has poured out on the church's five gifts. These five gifts are to work in harmony. They're to build the kingdom of God and reveal the glory of Jesus. Because it's all about Jesus. This place is all about Jesus, but so, so should your house. So he says to some, he gave gifts to apostles. The organization of the church is not a human arrangement. It is a divine appointment. What God has bestowed upon you to do is a divine appointment, not a gift of man. The first gift to his apostles, we all know that Jesus Christ is the best apostle. The greatest apostle in the world was Jesus Christ. Amen. No doubt about it. That's right. So you put a big A up there for Jesus. But now he's commissioned it and he's poured out his gifts on other people to do their jobs and their assignments. He has commissioned them. So we'll call them little ladies. Their job is to reveal, demonstrate, and manifest the apocalyptic nature of Jesus Christ. Their job is also to raise up apocalyptic, apocalyptic people. This is their job. Jesus was the greatest prophet of all time. The second gift Jesus gave to the body was prophets. Prophets. To reveal, to demonstrate, to manifest the prophetic nature of Jesus. And to raise up prophetic people. I mean, Jesus was very prophetic. So if you're not listening to some prophetic people, or maybe people in his church, I mean, I, I don't see a real prophet. Could be hidden in, in the walls or afraid to come out. I mean, once in a while I get a prophetic urge, but it's not all the time. But you've got to listen to prophets. Modern-day prophets are a little different. But they're the second 
gift that Jesus poured out. So the first one that was important to him was an apostle. The second one was a prophet. I mean, prophets were indispensable in the Bible. I mean, where would we be without Jeremiah or Isaiah or any of them? And that's in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, you have others. The church had to be led prophetically by someone to say, hey, this is what I see the Lord saying. This is what I see the Lord wanting to do. Let's pray about it. Yeah, that's it. We go for it. The modern day fivefold ministry of the church is given to the body to reveal and demonstrate and manifest who Jesus is. You know, Jesus is the mediator between us and God. I mean, he's up there on his knees sometimes saying, Lord, Father, you got to forgive Lot. I mean, he just, you know, you just got to forgive him. He's up there begging for him. I thought it was me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's just, this is just who Jesus is. Praise God. Praise God. He was the greatest apostle. He was the greatest prophet. Hallelujah. He was the greatest teacher. Yes. They called him Rabbi, yes. Rabboni. Yes. I mean, who could teach better than Jesus? That's right. Who could teach better than Jesus? Amen. He was the greatest pastor. Yes. He was the greatest evangelist. You know, yes. as an evangelist, Jesus went from town to town sharing his message. And he did it in a manner you wouldn't expect. Jesus did it by telling stories. An evangelist today tells stories. You don't invite an evangelist into your church. He's going to tell you stories or she's going to tell you stories. Because that's how they communicate the message. But all they care about is getting the fire going. Fire, fire, let's go. You know, the church has changed their role a little bit. They're just someone that hangs out in the congregation and then goes and travels somewhere, gives a message and comes back. That's not the role of the evangelist. When evangelists meet somebody and they want to share the gospel, they tell them a little story, they pray for them, and boom, the next thing you know, there's another person brought into the kingdom of God. And if they're in a big crowd, yeah, they light a fire. Because that's what they want. They want the church on fire for Jesus. They need the church on fire for Jesus. And some he gave the gift of pastors and teachers. More ordinary settled ministers of congregations. It's called a pastor. Because they watch over a flock, trying to lead in all the right ways. And teachers, because they've been commissioned and they're communicating through divine knowledge. I mean, if you watch the teachers you have in this church, they've all studied. They've studied hard what they're teaching, whether they're teaching it from this podium 
in one of the Bible studies, the Saturday morning or the Sunday afternoon, whoever is doing the Bible teaching has studied it to reveal. Why? They want to reveal who Jesus is to you. So you line up an apostle. You line up a prophet. You line up an evangelist, a teacher, and a pastor. We're going to ask them one question. What is God saying to the body? What is God saying to the body? And here's what they're going to do. Each one of them is going to answer according to their gift. You have to remember, grace determines function. What grace has poured out, what grace give, God has given you in this fivefold ministry, if He's given you one, will determine the function. So you ask the evangelist first what's he saying to the body? The evangelist will refer to Luke 4, where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. He has sent me to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord. That's what an evangelist is going to answer you. You ask a teacher, what's God saying to the body? This teacher stands up and answers and says, we need more Bible studies. No one reads the Bible anymore. We need to teach them. The teachers also get involved in discipleship. They teach discipleship. But they believe they're centered right around teaching. You stand up a prophet. What is God saying to the body? When you ask this question of a prophet, you need to hold on. Because prophets will start telling you about dreams and visions they've had. And how the glory of the Lord's got to keep manifesting itself. I mean, they have visions. They see Holy Ghost movements. They say, they just see everybody running around in the spirit of God, just touching people. The prophet would have described this morning's worship because it was a move of the presence of God. The prophet would have been happy in that. You know, a pastor will go to a hospital to pray for people. A prophet wants the hospital cleared out. They want to walk in, heal everybody, and send everybody home. That's the end of it. We don't need hospitals anymore. It's all about Jesus, folks. It's not about us. Not about us. You stand up a pastor. The pastor's only desire is to keep the congregation huddled together in the sanctuary. Pastor wants to care for every every need. The pastor wants to make everybody happy because he wants to see his numbers increase. 
Who wants to think things go? Yeah, you stand up an apostle. Now the apostle, he'll run a church like an army base. You'll think you're in the army. Everything's got to be on time. Everything's got to be in its proper place. And every member of the congregation is wearing combat boots. Ready for war. Because it's all about the war. It's all about the fight. It's like, get out of here and go raise people for the kingdom of God. That's the apostle. He looks at the neighborhood God has given him, and he said, this is what we territory. We have to win for Christ. This is ours. We need to take the land. Pastor, oh, no, no, no. Leave him sitting here. No, the apostle, get out. Go do what you need to do. He wants to see people being healed immediately. He wants to cast out the demons throughout the neighborhoods. He's just interested in expanding the kingdom of God. Now, apostles and prophets kind of lean together a little bit. They're kind of close to each other because their gifts are similar. You know, in the New Testament, there was no examples of a pastor planting a church. There are zero examples of an evangelist planting a church. The New Testament, only the church planning is done by an apostle or an apostle prophet team of people. Why? Because grace determines function. The grace God has given you, if he's put you in that fivefold ministry, determines your function. An apostle stands up and thinks about nations before need. A pastor stands up and thinks about need before nations. A pastor, an apostle stands up and thinks about kingdoms. A pastor stands up and thinks about his congregation. Pastors and teachers have a bit of tunnel vision because they're focused on one main area to nurture the flock. The apostles and the prophets, they want revivals, awakenings, deliverance, healing. They want to turn the city upside down for Jesus. But Jesus ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. All things. We need all the gifts to work together in unity. Because it's all about Jesus. We need to forget everything else. Like I said, you've got a problem with somebody, take it outside. Don't bring it in this church. Or if it's a problem with me, come talk to me. I think you you should. I think these kind of things need to end quickly. They need to end quickly. It's not like a soap opera where the story just continues. You know, 10 years later, you got the same thing going on. I mean, my mother used to watch them all the time. I thought it was the same episode every day. General Oscar. And she watched as the world turns. And it turns. 
I mean, you know, there's no place for them in the unity of the body of Christ. There's no place for drama. There's no place for this one did this and I want to do that, you know. It's not. This is the home of Jesus Christ. This place is all about him. And you need to just, you know, you got, like I said, you got a problem with somebody, go talk to them. Everybody in here is a reasonable person. There's nobody that's going to pull out a six shooter and take you out. But every issue can be resolved. We have to work together in unity. And the gifts of God need to work together in unity also. And the gifts that were given to individuals in the body of Christ in a church need to work together. I mean, some have gifts of administration. Some have gifts of worship. Some have gifts of teaching. Some have gifts of this. Some have gifts of that. But they all got to work together to build up the body of Christ. Because it's all about Jesus. He says we have to quit being tossed and turned like little children carried about by every wind of doctrine. By the trickery of men, what's he talking about? In the early church, there were a lot of people that had different views and they wanted to get in different things and they tried to invade the early church. This is what Paul's talking about. But they also tried to invade our church. We have evil spirits come in here. We have people sent here that are definitely sent here just to destroy. That's right. And we have to handle them. The people that recognize it need to get down and cast them out. I mean, the trickery, the cunningness. Just think. Just have a think how kind that devil is with what he did to Eve. Right there in the garden. I mean, yeah, she's in a garden. She's in a place where, where she walked with God every single day. Yes, Lord. Where she sat down at her kitchen table and, and had coffee. And they talked about things, and yet this spirit so cunning, so crafty, yes. took her down, mm-hmm. brought sin into the world. Yes. So yeah, we're all victims. Each one of us has a vulnerable spot that the enemy will attack us on. Oh. We just have to realize that this is the enemy coming at me. Yes, Lord. But I'm all about Jesus. Amen. I'm getting rid of this. I rebuke it right now in the name of Jesus. We rebuke you. Paul talks about, as he illustrates that, he said, in every place you run into people that are inexperienced. They don't understand the mercy that's been poured out upon them. They think that they want to have power. It's not about that. Mm-hmm. It's not about that. 
I remember years ago, we had a gentleman come in here. And he talked to me one day and he wanted to be the worship leader. And he said, I've been with this church for 10 years, but I want to move on my own. I said, what do you do? Since I play the trombone. And I'm thinking, that's not going to work here. I should have played the drum. It's just not. But he just wanted to be a worship leader. He used what he had. I don't, I don't know if you ever found I know the church he told me he was with for 10 years. I, I know their pastor, so I called him up and I found out he wasn't. He had come in a few times and tried to, you know, push himself on him and it just didn't work. So I know the whole story. But here, you know, here he is laying down. Oh, this, oh, this is so good. This is what I've done. Blah, 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 blah. Ambitious. Another, yeah. He wanted to be worshipped in a church. I mean, it's a difficult thing. Certain people have positions that the congregation sometimes latches onto and thinks it's all about them, but it's not. It's all about Jesus. It's how we carry the, the word of God. It's how we teach the word of God. It's how we worship with the word of God that makes a difference. It's not about the people that are involved in doing that. That's right. They're not here to be worshipped. Mm -mm. Jesus is the one we worship. You weren't pinned to that cross. And then in verse 15, Paul says, but we need to speak in truth, in love. And the Greek, as I researched that, the Greek word was written down in the text and just said, there's no way to translate the Greek word that Paul used for this. Mm. This is the closest they could come to, to translating what he said into English. It applies to being true as well as speaking the truth. It implies being true as well as speaking the truth. How difficult. You have to be true to yourself, true to the church, true to Jesus, before at the same time you're speaking the truth to someone else. You can't do it unless you're true. Amen. You can't speak truth and not have truth. Truth is the element in which we are to live, move, and have our being. Fidelity to the truth is the backbone of a Christian ministry. We're supposed to seek the truth of God. It's all about God. It's all about Jesus. Amen. We have to seek his truth. We have to speak his truth. When we get outside these walls, however we live our lives, we have to live them in truth. Amen. We have to speak them in truth. Amen. Because if we're not, then God's not seeing us. Amen. We're not protected by God. To be honest with you, it's nobody's business in this church how somebody else is living their life. It's, it's an individual walk 
that you each have with Jesus. That's right. It's an Amen. individual walk. And if you're walking along, well, then you know you're going to go to the lower parts of the earth. That's right. That's going to be your home. Amen. Nobody wants to go there. No. Everybody wants to be lifted up. Yeah, Florida was too hot. I myself, you know, having come close to death, realize how important this truth is. I mean, was it two months ago? I was in Charlene's driveway in my car. And I was out. And I have a defibrillator in my shoulder that tried to shock my heart back to go. It didn't work on the first time. It didn't work on the second. But on the third time, it brought me back to life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The cardiologist said, if it didn't get your heart going, you would have died right then and there. We have to be ready because we never know when it's going to happen. Yes. We never know. And there's no way I got up that morning and said, I'm going to pass out in somebody's driveway and almost die. <laughs> Nobody prophetically spoke that to me. No. We have to be ready. We have to walk in the truth of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. Amen. We have to carry it with us. I mean, it's the backbone of a believer. I mean, truth is married to love. If you really love Jesus, then you're you're carrying the truth of Jesus. If not, you're just faking it. But faking it isn't going to get you into heaven. You can't carry that little car and then begin to say, oh yeah, I did that. You said, you've been faking it for years. Oh, the screen monitor goes off. The devil's just going to wish to welcome you in. Welcome you in, you little faker. Paul says, living this way leads us all to grow in all things Christ. You take those five-fold ministry and each one unveils part of the presence of God. Each one reveals another piece of Jesus. You put them all together, you see who Jesus really is. But don't eliminate a part by not getting involved in something. Don't leave out a part because you don't want to listen to so-and-so teach. Leave out a part because you only listen to one pastor. Leave out a part because you don't listen to an evangelist. You don't has listen to an apostle. You don't hear these things. You don't see these things. Different people even in this church have different gifts. You know, as I read this, I think more about the kingdom than I do the congregation. I love the congregation. I love it all, but I want to see more people one for the kingdom of God. Amen. Yes. Amen. I mean, it's very important. 
working on it, Lord, working on it. That's very important. I want to see everybody that's sick healed. Yes, I want to see all those that need deliverance delivered. And I want to see everyone that is being burdened by a demon, have that demons cast out of them and have them set free. Because Jesus Christ is here. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So we need to work together with the gifts we have, whether it's a five-fold gift or whether it's just the gift that God gave you when you first believed that he gave you the Holy Spirit. What could be more important than having the Holy Spirit in you, dwelling with inside you, leaving you, comforting you, guiding you? There's nothing more important than that. We'll never put it down. Let's stand. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's all about you. It's all about you, Lord. I think it would be a good thing for the body to just come down to the altar. Everybody. Everybody just come down. Come down. Hold hands with one another. Hold hands.